Welcome to Citizens Bank Park. This um, is our media room. Uh, those of you who watch our games or watch our post game will recognize it as the place where our manager comes every night and speaks to the media after our games. And uh, tonight, you are our media. So we <laughs> hope that uh, you will engage in our program. Uh, if you have a question, uh, we'll make sure that we'll get a microphone over to you. My name is Scott Palmer. I'm a Phillies ambassador and one of the hosts for this program that the uh, Phillies stand behind called Strike Out the Stigma. It's very important to us, uh, this topic, and we'll talk about more uh, uh, more things like this as, as we go along and the reason why it is so important to us. This is part of the Phillies Summer of Giving presented by the Giant Company. And uh, we also are very thankful for our partners at Minding Your Mind, a great group of young people who go into the, uh, the community uh, with life experience and uh, pass along a lot of their knowledge to some young people uh, who really need it at that point in their lives. Uh, we, we really concentrated on a few things during these discussions. One is the value of healthy life habits that goes so far. Uh, in, in progression of, of having a healthy mind. Also supporting those around us and not, not trying to, uh, you know, tear somebody down so we go up. You know, we, we really are, are hoping that we all have this, the same mindset that we are trying to uh, improve the lives of all of us and, and support, especially those who are having some, some problems with mental he uh, challenges. And third, and this is the most important, this is where we get the uh, title of strike out the stigma, is removing the negative connotations surrounding the challenges of mental health. And we'll talk about that a little bit as we, we go along. But in, in a nutshell, you can always see somebody if they have a physical injury. You can't always tell if someone has a mental challenge and they can be both uh, just as debilitating. So we welcome a safe a space here. Our our uh, topic for uh, this month is the relationship between physical and mental health. And, and again, uh, we hope that you will engage with us. Some of you have submitted questions ahead of time. We thank you for that. But if you have a question as the night goes along, please raise your hand and we will make sure that you get a microphone next to you and uh, we'll have a discussion on pretty much whatever you'd like to talk about during this time. Uh, we will also be recording this program. You might be able to see a, a camera or two around. Uh, and that is because not everybody can be here at one time. Uh, but we want to make sure that this discussion, because we do believe discuss the discussions we have are very important and that they're available on the Philly social media sites, uh, the broadcast uh, version. And uh, you'll, you'll be able to know where you can find those if you want to tell one of your friends uh, about the discussion that you had uh, here at Citizens Bank Park. So uh, it's now time to, to meet our panel. We have some very distinguished folks here to help us out. First of all, I'd like to introduce our co-host for this entire series of Philly Strike Out the Stigma. Uh, he began uh, with us as a panelist, and now we are so happy that he has agreed to be a co-host with me. This is Dr. George James. Give Dr. James a hand. It's, uh, it's so beneficial to us and so beneficial for this program, uh, Dr. George, as we like to call him. Uh, if you would please enlighten the folks here about your background and, and what really interests you as far as this program. 
Thanks, Scott. It's always uh, great to be here with you. I mean, I told Scott in the back, uh, I need that jacket. I'm <laughs> I think uh, we're bringing back Miami Vice. I'm, I heard I'm saying, this if I had known, I would have coordinated. We would have just been ready, co-host co to co-host. Uh, but it's always a pleasure to be here. And just so that others know, uh, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I've been in the field for 20 plus years. I work with athletes, entertainers, uh, couples and execs, trying to help them balance between business and love. And I love being here, being able to talk about the importance of mental health, mental wellness and sports and well-being. So I'm looking forward to today and what we'll talk about. We always do. Uh, to my immediate left is, is a gentleman who has been with the ball club for 15 years, a valued member of our front office and a little background. Uh, his this really dates me, I guess. Uh, his father and I played in an adult over 30 hardball league team together. Yeah. His dad was really good. I wasn't. That's why I, I now wear, you know, white suits, and he's probably still out in center field somewhere. His name is Troy Satin. Give Troy a hand. <laughs> Troy, I'd like uh, to talk a little bit about what, what you do here, uh, but maybe not talk about what many people would like to know about that we can get into a little bit later. That could be later. Here you go. <laughs> Thank you, Scott. Um, yeah, so uh, for over 10 years, I helped run and develop our Phillies fitness program, where we would go to the tri-state area schools, uh, mostly work with PE teachers, other teachers, and just talk about uh, nutrition, uh, healthy habits, and take them through a major league workout. Um, I also have a, a large of what I, what else, <laughs> other things that I do, we can, we, talk about later, but I'm um, part of the Fanatic team that helps organize requests, uh, appearances, and a uh, good friend of the Philly Fanatic. Yeah, we could say that. We could say that. <laughs> He's on a more than first name basis with the Philly Fanatic, let's just say that. But as he also says, Santa Claus is real, so don't go there. Okay. Uh, and the final member of our distinguished panel tonight is a first-time uh, participant in our Strikeout the Stigma session, uh, Dr. Suleiman, Dr. Tasmeen Suleiman. And you're with the group uh, Black Men Heal. Yes. Would you please let us know a little bit about that group? Because Absolutely. it sounds like uh, something that we all should know about, uh, and not just if we are Caucasian or we're a black person or yeah. you know uh, Asian, whatever. It's, you're all going for the same thing, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me too. I do want to clarify, I'm not a doctor. I'm a, a, a licensed uh, clinician and Dr. George used to be my he teacher slash mentor. Well, he's still my mentor, oh. but he used to be my teacher. So he may you know, be grading you yes. tonight. So yes. I know, I know, so I gotta, I gotta come correct. Uh, <laughs> but um, I'm a licensed therapist and I've been in the field um, for 17 years um, in different rounds, working with children, families, uh, couples. Um, and in 2018, I started a, a nonprofit organization and it's called Blackman Hill. And what we do is provide um, free therapy and free access uh, to men of color. We target that population because it's such a underserved population when it comes to mental health. Um, and But since then, we've, we also, you know, have programming for women and for youth in the city. We have a gun violence uh, therapy program for youth in the city. And we started in 2018. And so, yeah, like it's been a great way. So I'm still in private practice, but I also run this organization that provides free therapy resources to the community. Taz, we're so thankful that you made time out to be with us tonight. And 
Some folks might not know, but we give honorary doctorate degrees here. Yes. Hey, let's do it. Come on. Hey, Dr. Yes. George signs I mean, off on it. I do. <laughs> Thank you. And yes, I was her professor, but I am more than proud. And she has taught me a lot. And they're doing amazing things, not only in the community, but nationally in their organization. Yes. Well, it's great to have this entire panel with us tonight. So let's get underway. And, and Dr. George, you have uh, the first question. I sure do. So the first question goes actually goes out to Troy. Uh, you helped grow the Phillies fitness program into what it is today. Can you speak to the importance uh, for children being involved in physical fitness and physical activities? Uh, you know, something that we talk about in our own home and uh, something that you're really connected to. So can you share more about the importance of just children being active? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it, I think it's super important. It's, it's crucial. Um, you know, in, in, in Philly's Fitness, when we would go to a school, we would start our session. Uh, we would always ask the kids, all right, everybody raise their hand if they know someone who is associated, whether it's a parent, grandparent, a neighbor, a friend with heart disease, diabetes, other diseases like that. And unfortunately, a lot of the kids would raise their hands. So what we would try and tell them is it's all about developing healthy habits when they're young. Um, it's not that you can never have a candy bar. But, you know, maybe every so often sub in an apple and, and get outside and uh, meet new people when you're on the playground. Uh, having fun like that. Anything that can get your heart rate up a little more. I try and do it for my own self, for my own sake, um, once a day. Um, those habits have started years ago. So it's easier for me to do it now, now that I'm a little older. Fortunately, a little older. But, <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I love that. Uh, yeah, it's starting early and just being able to learn some of those techniques and habits so that it's just normal. Awesome. Dr. George, the next question actually goes to you. And we're going to talk a little bit more about athletes who suffer injuries. And as we said earlier, if an athlete uh, is, is physically injured, there is some form of device that they're wearing most of the time or just limping around the clubhouse that their teammates know that they're hurt. Uh, an athlete can also struggle with a mental challenge and that isn't quite so apparent. But in particular for this, I'd like to talk with you about athletes who are experiencing a mental challenge. How difficult is it for them in the clubhouse? Yes, thanks, Scott. It can be really difficult for athletes to be able to talk about uh, a mental health or mental wellness challenge that they might be experiencing. Thankfully, though, what we've seen is more athletes are willing to step up and share that, that there's more acceptance in the clubhouse, in the team, in the locker room to say, hey, what are you dealing with? We've seen people be very public about it. We've seen athletes of all different sports share their story. And I think it's given people more confidence to say, yeah, I too struggled. Even just a few months ago, we had Brian Dawkins here and he shared about his experience with depression. And we've seen folks say that they weren't able to perform. And actually, you know, especially with what we're talking about today, a lot of athletes, when they get injured, actually does lead to a form of depression, right? That because they're not able to play or not able to perform the way they want to or lose their spot makes them sometimes anxious and depressed. And they don't often talk about it, but that also impacts their recovery as well. And isn't part of it also that when an athlete is injured, to begin with a physical injury, it's more difficult for them to remain a part of the team. Yeah. Because if you're not if you're not participating, if you're not contributing uh, to the team, as much as you may be a great guy and a great teammate, you're overlooked a little bit. And, and you're saying that 
when you come back from that, that can leave a little bit of a mental scar? Yeah, I, not even on your journey trying to come back. <laughs> the, the recovery, the PT, the OT, everything that is necessary can be overwhelming. And then how do I get back in the rhythm? How do I get back into the groove? And my teammates maybe are doing other things. And that can feel so overwhelming that I start to feel anxious or depressed or both. Dr. George, you have a question for Taz. Sure do. Uh, so Taz, our next question is uh, really about nutrition. Uh, in the uh, mission statement of Black Men Heal, you say that it's to provide access, mental health treatment, psychoeducation, and community resources to men of color. How important is it to provide access to proper physical and nutritional education specifically to men of color? Um, very important. I love what you do. We have to talk after because uh, the I, I believe a lot as a clinician, I've learned so much about like holistic wellness. And so like if you think of like the different areas that we have to make sure that they're well, like not just physically, but also mentally. But one can impact and, and certainly does um, impact the other. But like in, in private practice, all of my clients who see me therapy wise, I'm always um, suggesting like a part of my prescription for how we're going to help treat you is to make sure that there's some type of physical activity in your life. And one of the things I tell people is actually you you can get a shift physically quicker, you know, because if you think about it, if you're going through something mental, like the brain is a really rough tool. But like if you just go outside for a walk in 20 minutes, like you will literally feel better 20 minutes later right and it helps kind of release some of the the mental noise in our head that causes a lot of anxiety so I think it's extremely important and um, we think is definitely important for men of color um, specifically because men of color um, and communities of color often um, don't have access to like healthy foods and um, and enough resources and communities often to be able to make sure that you are practicing holistic wellness. So we do a lot of things. It's so cool because we do events for men now and like we have like our men like getting stretched out and yoga and meditating and it's so cool because I don't think people are typically used to seeing like it's like all these like macho guys that are sitting in a room and we'll like have them like learning the art of like physical, mental and how it all combines. So I love being able to teach um, men of color about that. Well, that, that is our, our, our topic uh, here uh, tonight. And, and you mentioned meditation. Um, I have been uh, a faithful uh, practicer of meditation now for, for more than a decade. It really helps me in the mornings. Um, and we are talking about the relationship between physical and mental. Mm -hmm. Just how important is that uh, practice of meditation in a daily life of someone who wants to to man or woman wants to keep an even keel so important uh, i'll actually disclose a little bit with this because uh where we both met dr george and i at council for relationships i remember taking like a, a mindfulness meditation course at council now mind you as a therapist they teach you that like so like it's something you'll read about in the books about how important meditation is and i knew it was important i would try to give it to clients but i i didn't practice it myself because i'm very add and i was like well i can't practice that but i was trying to give it to clients and then i took that course at council for relationships where um, the class was practicing not like learning about it in a book and talking about it like we had to it would, it would be a three hour class that we had to observe silence and it was the best 
thing that ever could have happened to me to be forced to sit still and to struggle because it's hard. Meditation, like, you know, it's hard. Like sitting, just being quiet is not meditating, right? Like it's a practice that you are training your brain to be present and to not go off into, oh, I got to get this done or whatever. It makes you think about how much noise we have in our head constantly, constantly. And that is a part of what causes our stress and overwhelm and anxiety. And so if you learn how to quiet that noise, which meditation is, you really learn how to free yourself from a lot of angst that comes from anxiety and stress. The mind is there to do what the mind does, which is turn. Absolutely. And meditation yeah. will silence that for a time. The more you practice, and that's what's called a practice, the better you will get. Uh, we, 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 we talked earlier, for those of you who just joined us, Thank you and welcome uh, about this being a safe space. And we hope that you will participate in this discussion. Uh, we are kind of off and running here. So you got a pretty good idea of what what our, top, what our topic is and uh, how we're addressing it. Does anybody have a question at this point early in the, in the program? If you do, please raise your hand. It may be a question somebody else is thinking too. So um, we would really like you to be a part of this discussion. And if you don't have a question now and, and one comes at a later date, please raise your hand, even if we're kind of yakking up here. Uh, go ahead and, and raise your hand and we'll make sure that we get to your, to your question. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Uh, Troy, next question focuses on something that we touched on during our strikeout, the stigma panels, and that is the busy, overwhelming feeling that we all have. And, and baseball during the season is a crazy business as it is. But everyday life can present the same kind of uh, challenge. How important is it to set time out of your busy schedule to focus on physical health? You touched on it a little bit, but go into it with a little bit more of a broader discussion, if you would, please, Troy. Sure. Um, Taz mentioned uh, noise. And I feel like with all the noise, there's always a phone call. There's always a, a, an email, a, a text message. Uh, you know, something is always going on. And if you could find time to set just a small bit of time, uh, you don't need a lot. Uh, a day, once a week, get into a, a you know those healthy habits with, that Philly's Fitness would teach. Um, and it doesn't have to be something crazy like running ten miles after or anything like that. It could be uh, after dinner going for a twenty minute walk. It could be when you wake up. You know, five minutes, you can get a, a stretch, meditate, uh, a really quick workout. That's not, it's not, not too crazy to, to set that aside. Um, there's, a, there's a rule, and, and the timing can be different for everyone, but it's a, a 21-90 rule where it takes 21 days to create a healthy habit and 90 days to make that habit a permanent part of your behavior. So that, that timing can be different for everyone, but the point is that if you can get into a consistent, uh, you know, set a consistent time aside, that that small five minutes in the morning for meditation, you said, you said 10 years? Yep, a little more than that. A little more. Um, those five minutes can turn into the rest of your life. You work with a lot of kids in our Phillies fitness programs. 
kids have a natural exuberance. You know, and, and as, as we get a little older, and maybe we have the grandchildren over, sometimes it's a little too much exuberance for us. We're used to a little quieter surroundings. But how important is it to kind of, every once in a while, just tune into that, to that childhood exuberance as we get older, and remember that it's still inside of us, right? Yeah. Uh, I have a, a six-year-old, and she wakes up very early and you know she's ready to go and there me and my wife find that there are times where we're like you know what put the phones away do something outside get outside i can't say how many times i've kicked a ball against the wall with her and you know we're damaging our neighbor's garage don't tell anyone um <laughs> but uh you know it's 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 good to 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 stay young and you know the other persona in myself helps with that tremendously as well um but yeah it's <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you have to remind yourself you're an adult when you're the best friend of the fanatic Do you, you know what i uh there's no chance of that anyway i like happening. to think i'm perpetually seven just just like he is you know? <laughs> well that's a great age to stay exactly. I mean, and even as you, you know you're sharing that i think about in the early parts of the pandemic our family found more ways to be outside, you know, and so many, I heard so many stories, people were hiking and bike riding and doing so much more and they enjoyed it. But then as things started to kind of get back to normal, people lost that, we lost that. Anybody out here stop doing the things you were doing early in the pandemic, right? And, and so this thought of like, going out is something we need to maintain. Maybe we need some more 21 days and some more 90 days to, to get there. But I think it's really important to practice that as a family. Our, our good friend, Larry Anderson, I think he may have written this for the fanatic uh, when, when LA says, everybody has to grow old, but you can be immature forever. <laughs> uh, I think the fanatic. I think it's part of the job that. description. I, I think say, it is. That is the model, right? <laughs> <laughs> Be immature. It's the mantra. It's on my business card. <laughs> Dr. George, you have another question for Taz. I do. Uh, so Taz, uh, this is around technology. You know, how can social media, both in positive and negative ways, impact mental health? So specifically when it comes to things around physical health. Well, I'll start with the positive because I, I like to start today with positivity um but um there's so many amazing apps that can help you with all of your health goals like you know the apple watch and you know like measuring everything like if you want to know how many steps you took so i can see that as um being one of the positive ways there's an app for everything you want to do behavioral change wise nowadays and so that's so awesome that we have access to all of the stuff we want to do resource wise in our pockets um negatively i can see how like technology and social media also makes us extra stressed, overwhelmed, anxious, constantly comparing ourselves, um, constantly hearing noise, those notifications. Like, you know, recently I've, I've, I'm intentionally staying on do not disturb, I think for the rest of my life, um, <laughs> just to, to get rid of the notifications because it's also like for somebody like me, who's ADD, I'll be working and you're constantly, um, you know, getting these, uh, pull aways from it. But also I think it, 
from a negative perspective, like social media and things like that, I think there's so much comparison and comparison becomes the thief of joy. So when you're feeling sad and you're scrolling and it looks like everyone else is living their best life ever. Um, and that can be hard if you're not feeling it. But, you know, I love to talk about like the concept of IG versus reality. You know, it's like, you know, we have our like what we see on a social where people are putting their highlights up or whatever it is that they want you to see versus like reality, which is like life is hard and challenging for everyone and that no one is exempt from that um, no matter you know what you're online doing or not so I think that makes it kind of hard sometimes that it can be a distraction and it can disconnect us where we might not understand just by seeing people's pictures that the humanity in it, us all is that we're all struggling with the same things even though sometimes we go out and we look really nice and we post pictures <laughs> you know so <laughs> and with that I know that you have you and Black Men Heal have done a lot with social media to attract these men uh, to come and use the services. So can you talk more about how you've used mm -hmm. so social media in the positive way to promote mental health and mental wellness? Yes, and I love that question because it just made me think about how much um, technology and social media has been a blessing to our, what we're doing in a community. Um, and, and because when we got started, like I started with a couple friends who I was like, Hey, would you guys like be willing to create in your busy schedules a slot for like black men, just a pro bono. And the way we got started, we didn't have any funding. We didn't, and I didn't know how to figure anything out with a nonprofit. I went on Instagram literally, and I said free therapy, um, and guess what? We got slammed. So it's also like it's it's how we built a lot of like teaching men about about mental health. And so I love that we can use our social media for the purpose that is in alignment with us, which is healing and wellness. And so we have like a strict rule, like uh, follow us, go at Blackman Hill. You can follow us. Um, <laughs> look, that's the other plug where it's like it does help. But one of the things that we do is we never repost trauma. And that is something really, really intentional that I do because I, you know, so I'm only posting. You can create your feeds to feed what it is that you need right and so like I try to do that with Blackman Hill which is like being really intentional about what we post because you trauma is around us all day every day when you turn on a tv yeah as we shift a little bit more to the the physical side the exercise um, I know that it's very tough to start just to begin that first day how many times, oh, I'm going to exercise today. I'm going to get to the gym today. And then something happens and throws us off. Well, tomorrow's just as good. So as tough as it is to start, it's also very, very tough to continue. And what I've heard, and I'd like you, you to weigh in on this, all of you guys, is after a time when you're starting to build these healthy habits of exercise, if there's a day that you just don't feel it, you know, you're not feeling it, how important it is to just if you got if you ride a bike or whatever just get on the bike don't even worry about for how long but you're keeping it going you're keeping the streak going yeah it's 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 important to to keep it going uh in terms of uh the streak as you call it um but at the same time there are also days where if you don't make it out i, I think it's okay you don't have to beat yourself up in terms of, oh, I didn't get it, get out that day. Um, but the important is to do it tomorrow. And it's small. It could be anything. It could be um, if you're, you know, it's summer, the local swim club. Go swim some laps. 
10 minutes, you'll get a great workout. Go, go for a walk. It could be small. It could be a 10 mile run. It could be anything. Just do something. Um, I, I try to get my heart rate up every day uh, in some capacity. Some days I'm fried after. Some days I feel pretty good. It's all about trying to keep that streak, as you call it, yeah. going. Yeah, that's important. I have a question uh, for Dr. James. Food insecurity is prevalent, far too prevalent, almost inexcusable. Uh, with as wealthy a country as we have. But there are instances when especially young people face the issue of food insecurity. If, if you are trying to look at that issue, what are some of the signs that you can see and, and maybe get involved in some way, even if hopefully it's in the right way of going to the right people and, and addressing that situation? Yeah, I think it's good to know the right people. And thankfully, one of those people uh, lives with me, which is my wife. Uh, my wife is in public health and I've learned a lot about food insecurity and just, you know, even Troy, as you mentioned, the different diseases that people experience and being able to pay attention to that, especially in our schools, we'll see that some of our young folks might not have something to eat uh, or they'll have minimal things to eat. Uh, or sometimes they might not have the resources to pay for food. That's why sometimes like when schools were shut down, uh, that was a big issue where so many young folks weren't able to eat because of food insecurity. So we want to pay attention to what are people bringing in? Sometimes we might see that even sometimes in the resources they might have or might not, or they may or may not have. I think being able sometimes to have those questions, you know, there's always someone in the community or someone at school that they might trust, that they might be willing to say like, hey, I didn't have breakfast today. Uh, we have an aunt who's a school teacher and she'll often say that she'll take a, a child or two and bring them somewhere and get them something to eat. So it's paying attention to those signs. I think also like in the community organizations, maybe it's an after school uh, program, maybe it's a sport, being able to see like, you know, everyone else takes out a snack, who doesn't take out a snack? Or what are the snacks that they might be eating might not be an apple, right? It might be food that might not be fueling them for that physical activity that they're, they're in need of. And you want to be thoughtful and kind because you don't want to shame people, you don't want to embarrass people, uh, but you can also try to be, uh, be thoughtful and bring it up in some way. And if you do that, maybe that can make a difference in someone's life. Good. Uh, another chance for, for any of you to weigh in on any of the topics that we're talking about now or, or any issues of uh, mental health or, uh, you know, as, as Troy says, uh, for the uh, recreational, you know, the physical uh, part of our, our body. Does anybody have uh, a question or, or a comment that they would like to, to maybe spur the conversation in another direction? Because, again, we're here for you. Yes, yes ma'am, right, right here on the aisle. Colleen. Are they, are they a little hesitant to do all the, uh, you know, the, the sharing or the sitting quietly and then they find themselves changing and, and accepting it a lot more? Sometimes men are like, I don't want to do that stuff. 
Yeah. Have you seen a change? Um, it's interesting. So when you say come in, like come into our process when they apply, like, yes, I think sometimes they're still challenging. They have to do a couple steps. But as a therapist, one of the reasons I started Blackman Hill, I loved working with men in therapy. It really helps give you um, such an expansive lens on the way in which we see or like view men. Um, but like men are so open. But my joke is in therapy is that men would come in you know, the machoism of, uh, you know, I really don't need to be here. Mind you, it was not mandated. They called me like <laughs> they're paying their money. But again, it's like also respecting that it's uncomfortable. It's honoring the resistance and the discomfort. Right. And so my joke is they were always like, I really don't need to be here. And, and I instead of me reminding them that you called me, I would just be like, wow, that's amazing. Um, I'm just so grateful that you are. So just to try to shift it so that they could feel more comfortable. And my other joke is that in the end, like I found it very challenging to end sessions with men because they don't have spaces where they really can share and be vulnerable. And so the therapy space is such a uniquely intimate, vulnerable space. And so when when those layers start coming out, like I would often be like, all right now, okay, five more minutes, okay. Like I'm like walking them to the door. It's like someone who's starving or really thirsty and they get a sip and they never even realized how thirsty they were. So I find it actually more challenging to end sessions with men, which I think says something, which means that they don't have enough of that space, yeah. Thank you for your question. Excellent question. And a a question. Great, yeah. great, great response as well. And it made me think a little bit about men, women. Women have people to talk to. Yeah. They have their groups. Women are very open in their discussions with other women. Us guys, not so good at this. Uh, I mean, I, I, I can just go back to an earlier stage in my life uh, when... I lived on a cul-de-sac, and everybody in the neighborhood had kids about our age. I mean, all our kids. So we're sitting out on the, you know, the curb and having a few Kirby's, which were the, you know, a beer, having, you know, and 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 having a reason to talk. And it was easy then. Now, as we get a little bit older, in neighborhoods where kids are not there, and and the only time we might see each other is maybe mowing the lawn or whatever. It's harder for men to have a social outlet to talk. And besides the fact, Dr. George, aren't we a little more uh, kind of keeping it inside than women do as well? Yeah. I mean, I think that's where we're trained. I mean, one of the things that I tell people is like, I've had 20 years of drinking the Kool-Aid of like to be vulnerable, right? Like that's, it's normal for me, but that's not normal for a lot of guys, right? So this thought of like what we've learned growing up is not always there and not always encouraged to like open up, to share, to trust. And then as Taz mentioned, when you start to realize, oh wait, I can do this. It's okay for me to share then it, uh, everything comes out. Uh, but the other thing I was thinking about, as you mentioned that, going to what Troy had mentioned earlier, is that it is just as hard to start a physical routine for a lot of people, right? Just like it might be hard for men to open up, for some people, starting a physical routine is overwhelming and is can be daunting. And so the thought of like doing something small or doing something for 21 days is like, all right, maybe I can do that. And I think like that's where that connection can happen. And Troy, does it help? Uh, if if you find somebody to partner with during this time, yeah, I mean, it, it, make it fun. You know, uh, go for walks with your family. You know, back to how we all did in, in the pandemic. Um, you know, there's uh, I, I the gym I go to. There's 
the timing of what I when I go is there's a, a gentleman that always goes at the same time. We always give each other a little little nod and yeah. spot each other if we need <laughs> different things like that. Um, but yeah, make those first couple steps, whether it's a circle around the cul-de-sac or you know a couple mile jog. Do it with someone and it give someone to chat with and bounce stuff off of, and you know it could be your own little therapy session, so to speak. Yeah together yeah my wife has a, a few close friends and she's had them for 30 years and they go out to breakfast every once in a while and i finally thought oh, why don't i go out to breakfast with a guy i should be able to go out to breakfast so we actually i called their husband and said you know what we're missing something here <laughs> and so now we're the same way i mean they go out alternate you know two times uh uh, a month, and we go out two times a month, and I'm like, okay, now we're on the same same schedule. That's it. We can talk guy stuff. You know, Scott. I, you know, I think we missed it earlier. Troy talked about start off small, run ten miles. Only the fitness what? guy says start off small, <laughs> run ten miles, right? Right. Just a sub eight mile. We're right. not yeah, asking I mean, for a yeah, lot. It's like, yeah, just start easy. small. <laughs> he slipped. I don't that drive in there. ten miles. <laughs> Oh, gosh. All right. This next one, I think, is for you, Troy. So we've talked a lot about your role uh, with the Phillies and your Phillies Fanatic program. But you have also talked about that you're a close friend of the Philly Fanatic. Although your job is rather unique, uh, how important is it to keep up with your physical health in order to stay mentally sharp on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, so I I treat it like like I'm an athlete. Um, I'm not... Bryce Harper or anything like that. Um, but I, I work out. I eat right. Uh, especially in the summer months, I drink a lot of water. Um, you, you try and stretch after after working. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, it's you just try and prepare. Like, like I used to be a soccer player growing up, uh, high school into college, and it's pretty much the same thing. You just try and make it to the, the end of the night, not hurt. Ready for the next day. I think we all, especially these days, are so serious about everything. Now, how many times have you heard one of your friends say, we don't laugh anymore. Nobody laughs anymore. We certainly can't laugh at ourselves anymore. You know, everybody is very uptight until his friend comes around. <laughs> and what I love whenever I am able to follow Fanatic, even if it's from the press box, is to watch him. There's a fanatic over there. Somebody yelled fanatic. Good. Uh, is, is to watch fanatic work the crowd in the aisles where I don't know how he can squeeze by, but somehow he does. And then finds somebody who looks like they haven't smiled in a week yes. and he sits right on top of them. Yeah. <laughs> now we got a smile starting, right? And the people around him are smiling. We, and this is, this is the, you know, the fanatic is a wonderful creature, but what he does to bring joy to people who maybe haven't touched that part of the joyous feeling is, is remarkable, Troy. You, you mentioned joy, and uh, there's a former coworker of mine, of yours as well, uh, and uh, last, last week he was with the team called him up just want to say thanks uh you know helped me throughout the, all these years and the thing he said is don't remember don't forget this he says troy we're in the joy business and 
at the end of the day, when it's 95 degrees, people are pulling on me and, you know, I'm just yeah. like, I'm, I'm fried. I, I try and remember at the end of the day, we're in the joy business. So it's, it's hard to have, have a bad day. And there's so much about joy and its connection to our mental wellness. Uh, you know, like I love to laugh. And to, to your point, Scott, uh, there's no time when I'm near the fanatic that I am not going to laugh. I'm going to I want a selfie. and I'm going to laugh. Right. And, and I see that and I see kids just run. And to to your point of having that exuberance, if we could be like children. Right. There's a lot of things that overwhelm us. And if we had that innocence and exuberance and that joy as a child, some of those things wouldn't, we would just brush it off and keep moving. You're right. And I, I learned this from one of the sessions from a, a young man who had gone through a very difficult stage in his life. He speaks with mind to your mind to the point where he openly talked about trying to take his life. And he started to put his life back together. He realized that everything seemed so serious that he used to be a fun kid. And his parents said he used to be a fun kid. And he said, so I, I figured as important as it is to schedule exercise, right? It was equally important for me to schedule silly time. And so for 20 minutes a day, he would do something like watch the Three Stooges, I mean, totally mindless, but, you know, laugh-a-thon. Just let yourself laugh. Or find his favorite music and all by himself. Well, this is good. It's a Phillies plug. Dancing by himself. Uh. <laughs> he would have fun just, you know, throwing his arms out and, and kicking his legs. And he said, programming that time for me was very important because I realized that I needed this. I needed that balance, right? Dr. George, the balance is what we're talking about, right? You know, bear with me. I think the fanatic brings out in people what we do in, in the shower. <laughs> the silliness that Hold we on, have. Hold on, let me process that. I yeah. need to process that. <laughs> the silliness we have when we think nobody's watching, the fanatic does that every day. And it just makes people say, like, it's okay. It's okay for you to be silly as if nobody was watching. Right. So do you have a problem being silly? I don't think so. I mean, when, when, the, when you become, when the green, green guy gets close to you. Is my wife going to see this? I don't know. I don't uh, know. We don't know if Britt's going to see this or not. We should find uh, out. I always kind of, people always ask me my story, and uh, I used to be a sales intern. And uh, I, I guess our marketing and events department thought I could be a, good, a great fit. And my first was, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Um, obviously, it's a good thing. Um, yeah, got to be well, silly, our, right? Our good friend Tom Burgoyne, who, who is uh, also a, a fanatic's best friend, oftentimes tells a story about how he got started. And he answered a blind ad, didn't know exactly what it was. It sounded like it might be a, a school mascot or a company mascot. And he said, you know, usually when you go into a job interview, they're looking for the person who is not an idiot. Fortunately, in this one day that I came for this one job, they were looking for the biggest idiot. <laughs> and our friend made it. Taz, I have another question for you about role models. Who's a role model that you look up to in your life when it comes to positive mental health? And you can't say Dr. George. 
Sorry. Okay. All right. Well, sorry. We had a deal, but uh, sorry, I have to break the deal segment. I'm just kidding. But um, I actually, a good friend of mine, I, I'm trying to see if she's here. I have a friend, and her name is Adnette, and she's amazing. But her her spirit um, is she's like my mental health role model because she, she, she really believes in manifesting what it is that she wants to feel and do and um and and be and you know it's it's incredible because every time you talk to her like you take on her energy and every single thing that she wants for her life i promise she has called in and we're you know so you'll be on the outside looking in but she's literally like the best one of the best humans i've ever met and so she's my role model because she her energy is just so solid. Um, and so she experiences sadness and loss like everyone else, but she's really able to like take it and like like frame it in a way in which to turn it into rather than like focus on the suffering, she'll try to focus on the lessons or the love that she got from the loss. And then as a result, she manifests more of it in her life. So she's been such an example to me, yes. How about you, Troy? I was, as you were answering Taz, I was thinking, who would my role model be? Um, I think I have a few, uh, you know, uh, maybe on the family side, you know, my dad would be a really great role model for me. He, he always put the family first, um, professionally, you know, uh, you mentioned, you mentioned Tom, he's the, the best friend, he's the best, best friend that I could ever think of. Um, Man, I should have been more prepared. No, that's... Yeah. You'll, you'll find them. Yeah. I mean, you're probably just not coming to mind, right? Yeah. yeah. George, how about you? See, once again, being prepared. Uh, no, there's, there's always examples. Um, I, I think about... It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. There's a good friend of mine. His name is uh, BJ Johnson. He actually works for the Brooklyn Nets. And we've known each other since college. And But there isn't a moment, to your point, when I'm around him that I don't feel uh, better, that I don't feel challenged to be better, and that my outlook on life is, uh, is even more positive and more hopeful than before mm -hmm. and of course another example is my wife who's here um and just thinking about the years that we've spent together and how we've improved each other and we just celebrated 16 years of marriage which we're happy yeah. about thank you uh and and just thinking about you know we say this often but like what partnership really does whether in a relationship whether in business whether in sport and how that really good partnerships can really make you so much greater. And so I would probably say those two people. Yeah, I, I would also, and, and although she's not here, I would say my wife for sure. Uh, and, and maybe one of the earliest role models I had when I came to the Phillies, believe it or not, uh, was, a, was a baseball player. Uh, Tug McGraw, I, I thought, you know, I'd, we used to say that, uh, that we were Tug's lost boys and his friends. We, for some reason, we would go and have fun and do things that we never would do unless, you know, Tug told us it was okay. Uh, but I think because he found joy, 
he found joy in life and uh, that helped helped me. I tried to be more tug-like and I think I I still do. Do we have time for this final question, uh, TJ? Okay, before we let our terrific panel depart, we wanna ask uh, a final question. And this can double as a question or a call to action. Uh, How can we as a community spread awareness of the importance of mental health? Try to start with you and then head to Taz followed by Dr. George. How do we as a community spread awareness of the importance of mental health? I would say just check in on people. Um, you know, the past few years during the pandemic, everyone's been so separate. Um, and, and hopefully as, as we get back to normal, um, people are going through things and you never know if it's, like you said, it could be, you know, the, the, the physical limp is easy to see. It's the, the mental struggles that's, that, that's hard. And I think everyone has something going on. Um, and it's just important to check in. A kind word is really not that hard to say, but it can go a long way. Yeah. Just be there. Just be there for someone. Tess? I love that answer. Um, and I guess I would add upon that answer, which is also to be vulnerable yourself, because oftentimes, like, um, you know, like you, you might not know someone else is going through something. So you might be less inclined to really step into it. But like um, in our concept of Blackman Hill, it's like Hillmen, Hillmen. So like one person being uh, brave and courageous and vulnerable enough to say, hey, like this is what I'm really struggling with. Um, oftentimes, especially I've heard from men that they're like, oh, my God, my buddy is like dealing with the same things. And so um, us being vulnerable ourselves, I think, um, creates a space of permission for someone else to step into that. And so then you can have more of a check-in system. George? Yeah, you know, I think paying attention to all the examples that are around us, that sometimes it might be those who are younger or those in our community. I just remember uh, maybe a few months ago, I was in the grocery store, about to buy my groceries, and uh, the person in front of me uh, couldn't pay. And I just, I didn't want to shame them, so I just wasn't looking uh, at them. But the person behind me came all the way around and said, hey, you know what, don't worry about it. I'll pay for your groceries. And I was just really enamored by that. They went out of their way to take care of this person. And so I wanted to like respond quickly. And I'm like, you know what, I'll pay for your groceries. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. There's these examples that are just all around us. And I think that if we, if we pay attention and take it in and manifest these things, then we continue and it becomes contagious. Yeah. And so we start to exhibit good mental health, positivity, kindness. And if we do that, people see that and then hopefully it carries on. Yeah, it's, it's I think a part of how we live now that no one wants to be accountable you know, if there's something that happened and you're responsible, you're not accountable. All too often, obviously some people are, but I think it's very important because to say I made a mistake, I'm sorry. What that does is makes you, as, as you said, as vulnerable. And it also lets the person in your surrounding areas see your vulnerability and say, well, if he could say he's sorry, you know, maybe that's not so bad. Maybe I, I can admit to when I make a mistake because we all learn from our mistakes. And I, I'm the number one mistake maker, I think, around this building anyway. So I've had a lot of practice at it. Well, you make mistakes, but you wear some nice jackets. It's all right. <laughs> I don't know. The jacket might have been a mistake. No, it was good. I like it. Well, thank you. I, I, I like this panel. So let's give all these guys a... 
a hand for being here today. And also, uh, also, we thank you for taking the time uh, to be here with us tonight, to, to know that this is, and believe this is important enough that you should spend an hour uh, talking about this. And, and please uh, carry, it, carry it along with you. If you heard something that makes some sense, pass it along to a friend. And again, the, uh, the recording will be available shortly, I guess, on, on Philly's social media. Uh, and you'll be able to see it, or maybe one of your friends will be able to to see it or want to see it. So thanks again. Uh, great win last night, by the way, talking a little baseball. And uh, we'll try to win the series tonight. So as we always do when we end these sessions uh, with two words, go, go Phils! Thanks, everybody.